Rastamai, good afternoon and welcome to Perspective on Manx Radio. I'm Dolan Mercer, broadcasting live from Douglas in the Isle of Man. As a slight change of tone on the programme this afternoon as we've chosen to dedicate Perspective this week to the launch of a very important book. In January this year, the Isle of Man lost a cornerstone of Manx culture, a catalyst in the ongoing revival of the Manx language and a crucial servant of Manx Radio over many, many years, someone not lightly described as a genuine polymath. Dr Brian Stoll had an illustrious career in nuclear physics, held in the highest regard by his peers at the forefront of scientific advancements in the field. Having worked as a lecturer in physics in Liverpool, Dr Stoll would later become the Manx language officer with the Department of Education back on the Isle of Man. And here at Manx Radio, he co-presented Sunday morning's Morajaduni programme for almost 20 years. Among a list, a long list of other accolades, honours and awards, he received the Rybelina Vananen Award in 2008 and the Timwald Honour Medal in 2010 for his work with Manx Gaelic. The final work of a man also described by Culture Vanin as a prolific Manx author was launched yesterday at the charity's headquarters in St John's. Culture Vanin says Brian Stoll, more than anyone of his generation, worked tirelessly and enthusiastically for the language and the cultural identity of this country. Gilg as Fishik, Skeel Mavay, Manx and Physics, the story of my life. I'm joined in the studio today by uh, two of Brian's children, first of all, I should say good afternoon, Fastamai to Sean and Fast to Kerry and Guramai Moru for, for coming in to say hello to us. Um, I'm also joined by someone who, in recent years, has helped Brian compile his memoirs into an autobiography. Um, and I should declare an interest because it's my auntie, um, <laughs> Wendy, <laughs> Wendy Mercer, um, Guramai Moru for, for coming in. Well, shade of A, Fastamai, Holland. Fastamai, thanks for, for coming. Um, to begin with, can you tell us, Wendy, first of all, how long this book had been in the process, if you could? Sure, that's a, a slightly difficult question to answer because although I was with Brian for most of the time that he wrote the bulk of it, as far as I know, uh, I think he had started it quite some years before. Um, I only met him relatively recently myself because I only started learning Manx... Um, I th- I can't remember exactly. Sorry, my mind's gone a blank. But I think I met him around about the end of two thousand and twelve, and we became friends. But I, when I went to his um, O level class at the college, and we became friends. But I didn't see him very often until about maybe three years ago or four years ago, when his 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 wife was very ill, and I used to go pop round because they're around the corner and do little jobs for them, and then I'd stay and have a good good chat with Brian in Manx and he would tell these wonderful stories some of them quite shocking some of them scandalous some of them very political some of them just downright funny Uh, he had a wonderful sense of humor and we were always laughing even right till the very end he was he was laughing and joking and I said to him one day well have you ever written any of these stories down and he said Well, I did start doing that some years ago, but I haven't done anything for ages. And I think that probably got him into action again, I I think, um, because after that he started talking quite um, frequently about his autobiography. I don't know whether he... Does that seem right to you two? Yes, that's right. Because I feel very often it's... I'm so happy that the books come out because Mm. it was what he really wanted Mm. to do. It was the last thing he wanted to do. It was so important for him. 
But at the same time, it's tremendously sad that he's not here to talk about it himself. And it, I, mm. I think I, it's so hard to talk for somebody else. Even yeah. you could do your very, very best yeah. to represent what they might have said or thought, but you could never really do that. But having you mm. here is very. Yeah, um, it was great that, nice. that you were able to work with him because you were yeah. able to speak Manx and write Manx. And, and you were able to help him write it because he yeah. was struggling to Because Kerry and I sadly don't have the Manx skills anymore. No. Although Dad no. did talk Manx to us when when we were toddlers. Uh, he would speak Manx to us and he would only speak Solely. Manx. Solely speak Manx. So yeah. when we were growing up on the Wirral, um, you know, I was, I was gonna friends say, of ours would come round and yeah. they'd say, what's your dad saying? Yeah. And they would say, well, yeah, you know, Manx, oh, isn't that normal? You know? <laughs> yeah. hey, you've I, got I, a wonderful story about you on a train somewhere. Because yes, that's you right. Would only have, you wouldn't speak. Did you understand we were on a train Manx, but you didn't like to... speaking it or something? <laughs> he was talking about somebody on the train. Yeah, he? there was one time when there was a guy who had a shoebox with bones in. Oh, yeah. And he said to me and Manx, he's taking his mum out on, on a day out. So we laughed and laughed and laughed. And this guy was looking at us as if to say he was going to... Well, you know, he was offended by the fact that we were having a proper chuckle. But he would also say, And I would say, all right, which weirdo is that? <laughs> in English, back to him on the train. Almost got punched a couple of times. <laughs> so you avoided physical violence. Yes, yes. <laughs> Almost like a secret code then. In oh, yeah, was. Wirral, I would have totally. thought. Yeah. Well, that that he came in be. later. Oh, sorry. I, no, go on. No, it, it just reminds me. I think he, it's <coughs> one of the stories he has written in in his uh, autobiography is when he was working in a top secret environment um, at Capenhurst at the What's it called? The Atomic, Atomic Energy Authority. Yeah. Cape and Hurst, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cape, Cape and Hurst. And they were dealing all the time with um, with top secret documents. And when he made notes, he used to make them in Manx mm. because he reckoned that nobody else was going to be able to understand them. So that sort of ties mm. in mm. with yes. what you were just saying about... He thought it in Manx, mm. you know. Shopping lists were in Manx, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. In, uh, Everything was, yeah. Yeah. So. He even thought in Max, even when it's terribly sad memory, but when he was dying in mm. hospital and mm. he wanted something, and you it would say to him, What would you Usher. like? and he'd say, Ustia. Yeah. 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 He started talking yeah. Manx slowly towards yeah. the end, yeah. Yeah, and he, so. uh, I have to say, all the time that and it, uh, I spent an awful lot of time mm. with him just in the last yeah. couple of two, three years, I suppose, mm-hmm. last, uh, certainly the last nine months or so. Mm. It, it, almost every day and he never spoke anything mm. to me except for Manx mm. unless there were people there mm. that wouldn't mm. understand mm. and he didn't try and shut people out no. mm. so so when when you were young and growing up mm-hmm. yes. you would have had quite good conversational Manx I would guess uh, did we we, we, we sort didn't of knew really key words, we understood him but we didn't speak, speak it Saying that, mm. I think my first word was a monk's word, wasn't was it? it? Was, uh, I yeah. didn't knew that. Uh, <laughs> Mo- Mo- what was it? Mordemur, a big dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, my yes. first words were monks. Yeah, but no, um. we tended to. He spoke it, but we replied in English, which is terrible, really, isn't it? But mm. but but there was an understanding. There was an understanding, yes. Yeah. And then even because he also spoke Irish, of course. So we we likewise we had a, an understanding mm. of that. When we went to the Irish Centre in Liverpool, which was a hoot. Let's have a listen to um, the book being launched yesterday. It was launched at Culture Van and the organisation's Manx Language Development Officer uh, gave a speech in Manx and in English at the beginning. Let's listen in. Adrian Kane. 
Okay, well, fast am I, fast am I, it's good am I, you all, your son, Chit, fast as you, as, um, yeah, good am I, Sean, Kerry, as Dave, son, Chit, you, yes, um, Shork and Lior, Heed and Gilg, as, um, Fishig, uh, Yoris, Brian, Nish, Cray, Odom's, Cray, Odmud, all your Graham account in Dunya Shaw, um, Tammy Cunnington, uh, well, I know my Giri Cunnington, the Caton, Imidi, Imidi, Blinton, Uda Henya, Trevor, me, Ear, Nasser, Natamish, Nish, um, Unslair, Fool, um, Goldus, um, Chaglum, McCann, the Gaelic Athletic Association, Unsan Olive Skull, Uns, um, Lair, Fool, as Bami. Marish Dunyarella and Akvali Cunyat and Fairbairnish, but Mugtay Unser Cunnail and Shen. As Vadgra, Lidikshu Goldus and Irish Centre and Slayerful, Erefeathervel Dunyarorn, and Take Insect, Yunish Duramsly, but Tay Asmanen, you know, as Eliamstavel Gilgeger. So, hi, Mish, as Ferella, the Agen, as quite, quite for sure, and Slayerful, Ginsaka Yunish. Um, as the Varan Gil Egan, yes. As Shannon Kied Kate, um, Remy Madale, Rish Brian. Um, as signed now Grey, Vay Bull Yindersack, on Sir Inid Yurnach, Ekatre Shedden, Vay Quack and Duta B. Um, as Vay Atch, but Rudd's, um, didn't see me around Gil, Bush, didn't do to be, but Rudd, the smooth scantual and Gil Gilliams, didn't see me, Mikhail Manning. As they such the, you know, you know, Forgeler, Mahul and Sonicuchmu, and just Feather Mac, all you know, and Shenegis McCann, and Manning, you know, Nakrau Fissemer, as such the revelation Sonicuchmu, Hanel Justin Gilg, but all you know, the Brian Ginch done, as Sonicuch, as they able the Lord can do to be, as Lord, as Lord, as Lord McCann, all you know, Skeelin sure. Um, McCann Manning, as they didn't do to be she revelation born Irma Hans. So yeah, I, I met Brian um, with a very good friend of mine many years ago in the Irish Centre in Liverpool, and um, just saying it was a revelation really, not just the Manx, but basically uh, what Brian did was introduce me to you know Manx history, Manx culture, Manx identity, the full. <laughs> The full gamut, really. It was a bit of a revelation, really. All this stuff, all these stories, which I hadn't learnt at school. But he was this, you know, this immense character in Liverpool, teaching Irish, for the most part. That was, you know, as well as teaching physics at the, at the poly then. So he was teaching physics, he was um, teaching Irish, and then he started teaching, well, three of us, actually, from the Isle of Man, who he started teaching um, Manx to. But at the same time, there was this sort of... Um, you know, it was just this story, the Isle of Man, that he sort of um, passed on to us, really. And it was quite, it was a revelation. So it's, it's you know, um, I, I must say, out of all the people, um, I must say thank you to, it's Wendy. Okay, so I'm going to pull you up. This is the person who got it done, really, Wendy. I, you know, and she's, going, she's going to be interviewed. Um, both on the radio and camera in a little while, whether she likes it or not, really. We might do it on skills, Sonic Cooch, okay? And Wendy's a person among, uh, you know, you know, saw Brian just, you know, um, in his last months and stuff. We all knew this was underway. It was all, all but finished, but um, especially whilst I was doing something else for a little while, Wendy really took this in hand, to be honest. And it's really because of her hard work 
that were here today. So, chip the mind. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, what, what an amazing character. Um, we've got Arthur Cayley just there. The biggest, apparently the biggest person ever to live in the Isle of Man. But in some sense, Brian, to me anyway, was the biggest personality and the most important um, sort of character over the last few years of the language. I remember being in Guernsey a few years ago and I was talking to, where the language is in really desperate um, trouble. And, you know, I was talking to actually a native speaker in his 70s and said, you're trying to compare, why, why is the Isle of Man done so well? You know, we've got Bunskull, you know, the Perry team, culture band stuff like this and Cheshire Gilgan and everything. Why is the Isle of Man done so well? And Guernsey, you know, it's nothing apart from a handful of young people speaking. And he said, well, you see, we've never had anyone quite like Brian Stowell. He'd mentioned someone else as well, but he said, we've never had certain individuals. We've never had the likes of Brian Stowell. And as, in some sense, you know, and I think he was right, really. And the history of the last 50, 60 years of language is, in some sense, the history of people like Brian Stowell, not just Brian. But without him, you know, maybe we wouldn't be here. So this is a fitting tribute, I think. This is also in Manx, okay, um, not English, as it should be. Um, it's a brilliant read, but it's not just a history um, of the language, it's very much a history of the Isle of Man over the last 50, 60 years. And um, with that, um, I would like to thank you all for coming here and all being part of the, the continuing story of Brian, I think. So, good to mind, Moya. That was Culture Vanen's Manx Language Development Officer Adrian Kane addressing a, a gathered audience at Culture Vanen yesterday afternoon. Um, lots of things to speak about there. I'm going to come back to Manx and the role that Manx played in, in Brian's life. But I mentioned at the top of the programme he was a respected physicist first, if you like, in his professional mm -hmm. career. Um, what does the book tell us about this? Does it have any stories to do with his involvement in physics? Uh, it's certainly got an awful lot. It's got a lot of stories and it's got a lot of information about work that he was doing in physics. Um, as ever, I think the wonderful thing about Brian's uh, book and Brian's stories generally is that he's got, an, or he had, a, 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 an ability to laugh at himself, although he was very so clever and so erudite. He had this wonderful sense of humour, which included himself. He was happy to laugh at himself, and he told stories about himself. Um, in he was the quite the opposite of a very pompous and self-important mm -hmm. professor figure. Mm -hmm. He was yeah. he was the exact. Opposite he always liked to laugh. Mm. Yeah, but he um, had a very serious side to him as well, a very political side, which was about you know he didn't like. Um, you know, he was, it, the sticker on our beetle was Atom Craft Nine Dunker. Um, so, you know, he was very much uh, a, a green uh, person ahead of his time, really. And he, because of his physics background, he, he would, um, he, you know, wind turbines were always a very positive thing in our house, you know. Um, but he had many layers, and so, you know, it was like uh, he liked his red wine, he liked reading, he liked mm. learning Russian now and again, um, <laughs> picking up a uh, mm. Chinese textbook as well. Mm. Um, but he also um, 
crucially, liked a laugh, and we all we all had a good laugh, really. Mm. Even towards the end in the nursing home when you yeah, turned up. When I, I went to every, uh, virtually every day, yeah. and I can I can honestly you were say a great I help, don't think there was a fantastic help. Mm. Well, maybe I was, but I wasn't. It wasn't purely altruistic by any means. Before I met Brian, I had heard of him and I admired everything he stood for and respected mm. everything he stood for. But what was so amazing was that he. I just liked him so much mm. and he was such good company. So mm. even when he was really poorly in the nursing home, it wasn't a chore. I did, it wasn't al- mm. altruistic. I did it because I genuinely liked going to see him and I, and I loved his company and, and, mm-hmm. and all the stories. And it's He had a lot of stories which are political, very political as yeah. kids. Mm. Do you remember, Kerry, uh, being down on the beach? I think was it was it? a glen near Laxey and the, a sign had oh, gone up yes. saying... That uh, the beach had been bought. It was private, and it was land, private land. Private land, and it used to enrage. So, <laughs> Dad used to be, you know, as a good solid left winger, <laughs> he he got really angry, and so we helped him pull the sign out. <laughs> and he threw it in the sea. <laughs> we threw it in the sea and watched it float off and threw stones at it as it floated whenever, away. Whenever we were out walking, if you saw private land, he'd do the same. Yeah, he'd just take him down. Yeah, yeah. It's not a few swear thing. words, and then <laughs> the sign was out. You know. <laughs> So how how else did his political interests um, manifest? Do yeah, you think? he was very much uh, part of the civil rights movement in Ireland in the seventies. He'd be writing to the Home Secretary. Mm. He had a typewriter. Do you remember the mm. typewriter in the front room? You could hear and it. He'd be bum, pounding bum, bum, away. Bum, bum, yeah. Bum, yeah, yeah. And he yeah, would write the to the Guardian uh, yeah. regularly, and he was a sort of sparring partner, or it felt like he was anyway. Um, with Northern Ireland secretaries, like people, people like Roy Mason, you know, sort of uh, big Labour ca- characters in the 70s. He, he, he started to vote Labour, and I think when he was a, a young man, he did actually stand for the Labour Party to be a councillor. But when uh, the 70s, you know, what happened in Northern Ireland um, unfolded, he said he would never vote Labour again. Mm. So those... Letters were very much part of his battle with um, what was happening in Northern Ireland. On the lighter side, in the political vein, I, I, you'll probably remember better than me. I'm not sure whether it's a story in the book or whether it's one that he told me. I sometimes get get confused mm. in hindsight. But he was at some meeting. Would it have been the Connolly Association, where there was a uh, as, yeah, there's a speech yeah. going on, and then at the end of it, the guy who was giving the speech stood up and said, "And will Detective So and So and Sergeant So and So please be the first to put their hands in their pocket for the collection for yeah. to pay for the room?" Yeah, <laughs> he often said that there were special branch officers oh. at the back of his yes. uh, Irish class in no. Liverpool. And of course, uh, I, I, it, as part of my work, I came um, across um, a copy of a blacklist, which was. Uh, Com- compiled by an outfit that traced left-wingers and tracked them and warned uh, companies if if uh, if person X was applying, then uh, they were a troublemaker. And uh, this on, I got hold of a copy of this list, which dated back to the seventies and early eighties. And there in black and white was our dad's name. Wow. So he, <laughs> economic <laughs> league, economic league the house, ba- uh, blacklist, which was, you know, it was yeah. a big deal. So um, yeah. he obviously wound people up in uh, Enough, yeah, yeah. and 
as far as he was concerned, it was like an honour, you know, because when I found him and said, it was I've got a blacklist from the Economic League and uh, you're on it, it was like... He was he was being knighted, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, he was very proud of that. Do you think there was an ability to um, withdraw that political interest in certain circles of his life? Yeah, I, I think he always thought that everything was political. To him, everything uh, was. Mm. An aspect in some way yes, yes. related to politics. Do you do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, he, he never yes, really no. uh, uh, backed down from that. Right, right no, up until he died. You know. So, um, but he, I think his sense of humour. He could laugh at himself. At it, you know, and he he, he could laugh mm. about the left. He could laugh about the Tories as well. You know. And, I, I don't think he was. It, it was like being at home with Karl Marx, really. You know, so <laughs> it wasn't. He wasn't like, like you know. He liked Woody Allen. He had all, you know, all, you know a very, very good Woody Allen collection. Mm. And, uh, We've heard uh, mention of several languages. Um, Manx, obviously, English, obviously. Um, sounds like he taught Irish for a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, away, and then also an interest in. Did I hear Russian and Chinese? Mm, he doubled in. So there were there were quite quite a, quite a lot of languages yeah. in one mind. Actually, yeah. do we do we know how many? He had a little bit of French, certainly. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. in the in the connection of, of languages, yeah. yeah, he yeah he and was he could on, he, he often yeah. said that he could sit and listen to uh, a language, even one that he knew nothing about. He could sit and listen to it for hours and hours and hours, mm. and that would. Eventually, it would start to sink in, and he'd start to understand. They like, they like the music it. from other cultures as well. Yeah. But, he, the, but the language got him there. But another thing to sort of links back to the subject we were talking about before with the politics and so on is that when he left Capenhurst and his work in atomic physics or nuclear physics or whatever mm. it was, um, they asked him what he'd like for a present. And he mentions this in his autobiography. And he said he'd like a Russian dictionary. And he got two. <laughs> would, have, would have gone down well with MI5. <laughs> but, and he, he said was, the Russians no, published very on that many blacklist. interesting papers and that's what he wanted it for. But <laughs> Yes, was, I'm sure he did. That half yeah. of it would have been to wind people up. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, he did like to do that. One one thing I didn't mention in my introduction, and which I probably should have actually, was he was also um, quite well thought of musically, mm. um, in, instrumentally, mm. and also as as a mm. singer. Mm. Um, do you have memories of him playing musical instruments from oh, yes. quite a young age? Yes. Was that something oh, that happened a lot? When we were little, he was you know, on the squeeze box, and we would stand on his feet, and so he would tap his feet, and we'd be. There and, and people coming around to the house and having music sessions and going to the Irish Centre in Liverpool for the music sessions. I used to love those. Didn't the we go to Berlin smoke. for... Um, yeah, sorry, we went I'm to Fougere. We went to all the all the Celtic congresses. I used to love going to those. And the, there's a castle in, in France and Brittany, mm-hmm. wasn't it? A few times for that. <coughs> yeah. And just seeing Dad on stage, yeah. Um, yes, but he, yeah, he, he loved it. We Do you remember he uh, made a record on yeah. on the Isle of Man and we, me, yeah, me and you were giggling in the background. We were being really naughty. Picking yeah. our noses. And <laughs> well, but we were running around and he's glaring at and us And that was only two thing. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. last week. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, we... Yes. When he was trying to sing... Yeah, music Kiri, was Kiri always... Kiri Fornyakta really seriously. Kiri, oh, and we were giggling but, in the yeah. background. But they have, we, yes. Trying to be naughty. But, but now those... Very funny. Those songs now are... Yeah, they just make me quite weepy now because... 
big strong memories, you know, and a yeah. lot of them were played at Dad's funeral, weren't they? And yes, that's right. All his favourites. Yes. But yes, big, um, part, big part. Yeah. Back in the seventies, I, th- I think our childhood was was people. <laughs> you know, when you try and describe it, mm-hmm. it, it was quite normal for us to hear our dad sat on the toilet with a squeeze box playing an <laughs> Irish rebel song. <laughs> the kids. Uh, one mm. mate of mine came round and said, "Your dad's in the IRA." I could, my mum <laughs> says she knows that song. And, but to us, it was just completely it normal. Was just normal. It? normal. We had I, lots I think, of people. I think just we come were in the first people to have hummus in in the street. You know, hummus and oh, red wine it. and copies of the garden. Because he liked, yeah. yes, he did like food and yeah, trying different foods curried carrots. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was all crazy. In our yeah, house. it was quite experimental. Part the parties were famous. You know. Mm. Our, our mum and dad gave a really good yeah. party. So it was either the Rolling Stones or Irish music. Yes, yes. Or the Beatles. <laughs> or the Beatles, yeah. 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 Well, that's I think, another story. I think the album you're speaking about um, was recorded in 73. Yes, 73, about yes, right? right. Yeah. And then released on CD um, not that long so ago. Not that this, long ago, This yeah. decade. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Do you think he was underrated as a singer? Yes, I think he was. Uh, he he could always yeah. sing better than me anyway. Mm-hmm. No, he, yeah, he's good. I think he probably like. I don't know if he'd prefer better playing, the, playing those, yeah. the instruments more than singing. I don't know, but yes, yeah, yes, he's because he's, uh, he did play quite. A f- he played, you know, the whistle he and played the squeeze box. Mm-hmm. I think he, but, yeah, he he loved singing, mm. and uh, the stronger the song, the more political song, the better, mm. the more impact it had. And you, you could tell that he loved singing it mm. and he really felt it and, meant, you know, the, the words hit home for him, you know. Well, you, you mentioned mm. uh, Nikiri Fonyachta, the mm. sheep under the snow. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I can play that rendition oh. in yes. my head, which was I can hear it now, played, yeah. In, yeah. My, played yeah. in my household. He sang that to me when we were little, yeah. And that's yeah. quite an emotional song it for a lot of reasons, isn't song. it? It is. It is very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I mentioned... Um, perhaps slightly yeah. clumsily that he was a bit of a polymath but from the sounds of things that's not really much of an exaggeration mm. I don't think Wendy no. no I think you're absolutely right Joel he um, he he was a very yeah he was he was a hugely talented man hugely intelligent very erudite but in, apart from being interested in everything, but n- not pretentious or mm. pompous or mm. anything like that, total, totally the opposite, um, interested in everything and so hugely committed to the Isle of Man, mm. I think that sort of underpinned everything really, mm. oh, his, his manxness yeah. and, mm. and Coming back here promoting the Isle of Man. He liked Scousers as well. He was very uh, always yes, very passionate yes, about that's it. that's true. Mm. Uh, he he always said that Scousers didn't need a master; that they were free thinking and they were, um, you know, not like uh, the rest of England. And that for him was a very important thing, you know, him his manxness and mm-hmm. sort of semi-detached Scouseness mm. was very important. I think he he used to say, didn't he, that the um, Celtic traditions were still quite strong in Liverpool because there were so many people that had arrived mm. there from Ireland generation mm. yeah, ago. That's true. Yeah. Ago, it is very true. And yeah. Maybe that was why he felt more at home there yeah. than mm. yeah. say, in other parts of England. Mm. If you look at the outcome mm. of the referendum, 
they voted very strongly to stay in the EU in Merseyside and, and Dad would, you know, Dad would say that would be down to their outward-looking sort of um, cultured mm-hmm. roots, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. Time for a quick ad break. Master Mai, good afternoon and welcome back to Perspective on Manx Radio. If you're just joining us, we're speaking about really widely regarded as one of the most important people for the Isle of Man in a generation, um, Dr Brian Stoll, whose autobiography was published and launched at Culture Vannin yesterday. Um, we spoke a little bit just off mic there during the break about some things I ought to include. Um, apparently there was quite a love of cats. Mm. Yes, yes, massive, very much so. Massive love of cats, yes. Yeah, the I don't think we front ever runner, didn't have a cat. Yeah. yeah, in the in the charts of, I think in at number one is Titus. Titus, yeah. 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 Titus was, was a proper was, Manx cat. Yeah, an enormous Manx cat. He was absolutely beautiful. Yes. But yeah. Um, he was a real strong they character. They all completely adored him. And yeah. uh, our half yeah. sister did a painting of him, uh, yeah. which is on the. Uh, mantelpiece, you know, it's, it's a very good he painting very of uh, Titus, who Dad loved, and he, he sort of, uh, he, I think he loved cats for the same reason that he loved scouses, in that they don't mm. need a master, you know what I mean? And he was, yeah. he was very much uh, like that, mm. Dad, and he liked mm. the, the, he loved the fact that cats don't need to be taken for a walk, and mm. you know all those things. And he, so he was that slightly political, probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it is deeply yeah. political. He name. would make it political <laughs> if. It, if it wasn't political, but there was yeah. also Waldo and Pugsley. Oh, yeah, Pugsley yeah. and Waldo were when we were little, and they were yeah. magnificent cats. And but if if he didn't, Dad would build stories around them, wouldn't they? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But then the cats would come to him. They would come to the house and just start to be fed, and then they'd get adopted. So yeah, I think there was all sorts of cats came and went yeah. at his house on the Isle of Man. Yes, yeah. I knew him how much he loved his cats, mm. and that, that's why when I was picking pictures out for the book, I was mm. very limited with the pictures I could. Mm. Yeah. But I found two, so yeah, because <laughs> of that, that lovely one. He, it was just a cat show, wasn't it? When he was in a he was a teenager. Yes, and he's yes, holding that's right. a Manx cat. Very proud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, he loved it. But for him, that 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 was all part of being Manx. You know? mm. And it was like uh, falling off a log, you know. Mm. So we've spoken about languages and politics, science and cats, music. Um, What was he like as a family man? Well, he was um, he was good fun. You know, he he always took us out, and uh, you know, he um, Mm. we we would go on all all sorts of trips. We had the orange dinghy in the middle of Douglas Bay. Called called Ben McCree, painted on painted on with nail varnish. Yeah. But we used to, used to go on great picnics, and uh, there was a great place in Wales used to take us the the caves. Yes, the caves. I don't know how the hell he found it. It was just literally in the middle of nowhere. But we used to that was the trip, and our favourite trip goes to the caves. Yeah. And uh, a, a very strange place called the Royal Arno. Do you remember? No. It was it was a pretend Wild West street. Oh yes. There was all these random places that Dad. I don't know how he found because it's like this obviously pre-internet days when yeah. things get advertised. But if I managed to find these amazing places or we go picnics in Delamere Forest and eat tins kind of beans cold tins of beans yeah. which we loved yes but lots of them, we, lots we, of our we, mates we, remember we that he, he, he yeah. drove us to Belgium 
and he, he took in the boot oh, of the this car. Is, this, this is in, he in, had in, a tray in the book yes. of, of chunky chicken tins. There was about forty tins of chunky, chunky chicken every meal. So we were in a. <laughs> but, but he says in, he says in the autobiography that he'd brought all this these tins of chunky chicken. But when he opened one, it looks. Well, he said it like looked dog. like puke, like so, he, so, he, so, yeah. so that none of you could, mm. none of you could eat. We were like, no, chunky chicken. And, and then the other no, thing he says chicken, is how he, no, how, how he had this wonderful, he, he invented this great game that you all enjoyed so much because the, the, you were staying in a sort of, I don't know, a hut or a chalet. It was a chalet, yeah. 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 And the, it, it was full of flies when you came in at night, so you used to put the, you could only catch them when the lights were on the lights were off so you'd switch the lights off and then switch them on very quickly and then see how many you could thwack against the walls by the time yes, yeah it was yes. a classy place yeah. <laughs> yes but i think that so. this sort of goes really um it sort of ties in with other things that he's that he said he says in his book well as he says to mm. me but he says in the autobiography that it's very clear that he's very 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 family man people mm. are, people are yeah. what matters yes. like yeah he wasn't and you know he talks about you you yeah. two obviously yeah. when you're little and your mum and he talks yeah. about um your half sisters uh-huh. you know, caroline and bridget yeah. when they yeah. were little and about julia yeah every yeah. all with tremendous affection and great affection for his mum as well yeah. By mm. the sound oh, of it, mom too, yeah. yeah his his family was the reason mm. really why he started to learn manx mm. because of uh, his uncles up in the north of the Isle of Man, they were political and so, you know, Ori. Yeah, Ori was obviously political. In his autobiography and talking to me, though, the what he describes, uh, he he talks about his uh, road to Damascus moment when he realised that he wanted to learn Manx. Manx. Mm. And I think he said it was in 1953, round about New Year, and he found an article in the Mona's Herald, which I mm. actually tracked it down i looked i looked mm. it up on the eye museum site and it, it is a very stirring a very rousing mm. article by um dougie farragher i never knew dougie farragher mm. myself well, i've obviously yeah. heard a lot mm. about him and heard recordings of him and so on but it was this article that what's really, it say in the article mm. mm-hmm. oh i'm thinking back a bit now it's like saying that it's. I think the title of it was something like "Save Your Nation" or something like this. It was about I think the death of a, the language. Like. Yes, yeah, about yeah. The, the, Man- mm. the Manx basically were throwing away their or mm. our language, mm. and I think I don't know how explicitly it was articulated. I can't remember now, but you know the link between the need if you have a strong native language, you have a strong national identity and mm. a community which is sort of very tightly bound and Mm. with a national Mm. pride and education and culture yeah 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 the whole uh, this whole thing which you know nowadays Mm. is studied in post-colonial studies and so on but very rightly so but i think they knew it instinctively somehow Mm. without even spelling it out and i think that's what that was a major aspect of dad to learn to learn the language and i think it always was um, is that why a started very started highly political element people. to it. It wasn't only, but mm. that, w- that was that was that was certainly mm. a large part of it. And he tells the story also in his autobiography of when he was made um, head boy at high school, and he had to make a speech at speech day. Mm. And he wrote the speech in Manx and in English. And I think he told the headmaster he was going to do it in Manx. And the head, oh, no, you better not do that because we've got a VIP coming and you shouldn't do it. But when he went up onto the stage in the villa, he suddenly thought, oh, 
sod it or yeah, whatever he thought. Do, yeah, <laughs> after after it word, yeah. And, and gave it in the speech in Manx and in English. And the interesting thing was this VIP who must have been somebody who'd from the colonial powers or something mm. um, responded to the speech in Swahili and of course this is so telling about what the British powers yes. that we thought about thought the it British was just Empire. as relevant to mm. speak in Swahili as it was to speak in Manx in the Isle of Man yes. <laughs> mm. uh, so, so as you say it, it all has a, has a political side yeah, to it to him <coughs> the mm. um, survival of the Manx language was, was you know paired to the survival of, of the Irish language you know the two uh, in his mind, they were side by side, and, and that mm. colonial powers like England discouraged the learning of Manx mm. and Irish, you know, for very obvious reasons. So that's, you know, yeah. viewed through, through Dad's prism. That that's how he mm. that's how he uh, saw it all. What set him apart from other Manx speakers? Do you think was his vocabulary especially broad, or was it to do with um, I think it was the way he uh, wanted to teach it and learn it. Mm. It was, it was you I know, the, bond, the way he the used the language, isn't it? The way he promoted yeah. it. I think there's, to, to, well, as a, a learner, I learned mm. with him as well as learning with other people. I suppose part of it is was the idea that it should be, it's taking back ownership of the language, not wanting to speak it like people might study latin but mm. it's a living language it's for us to use it's ours and even if we make mistakes and crikey i make plenty of mm. when i'm talking but you know it's my language and mm. i'm jolly well going to use it that that so is like that. positively so I think encouraging that. i think so i think that's a huge part of it he was very 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 good teacher mm. um mm. Ob obviously and he made learners all feel special very very encouraging mm. Um, but also added to that, I think you have to remember that this is somebody with so much knowledge, so very erudite, it's bound to be inspirational. Yeah. So I think that might be partly mm. the answer to Dolan's question mm. as as well. Plus the fact that there's music and so many other other Yes, it wasn't just in the, yeah, the language that you say, it's the whole mm. culture. But the, I mean, at times that he, he, he speaks, he, he, he was not... I am so important. Far mm, from it. Mm. It was quite the opposite. He was modest, and, he, and in his book, he's always saying, "Well, um, Dougie Farragher was really the person who, who brought back speaking the language and made use of mm. it." And he talks a lot about Bernard, Bernard Kane, Kane and yes. about learning from Leslie Quirk. He, he, mm. He's learned yes. about it. I spoke about all these people with the utmost respect. Him. And, yeah, yeah mm. people who influenced him. Mm. He's got a wonderful story about Bernard Kane, who uh, I was. Mm. I, never really knew him I only mm. saw him from afar as a very sort of dignified gentleman there's one about him and Brian on a bus in Liverpool talking mm. in Manx where some guy behind starts swearing and saying oh go home you foreigners or something like that mm. <laughs> and uh, Bernard, Bernard said very politely he said very politely, I, I, I certainly, sir, I should be getting on the boat first thing in the morning or something <laughs> like that. I'll do <laughs> and, but it, this didn't shut the man mm. up and apparently Bernard just got up and thumped the guy. Oh, really? <laughs> it created oh, a riot on the bus and the police <laughs> were called. <laughs> the police were called? Yes, oh, God, were they arrested? Yeah. No. <laughs> but they were made to get off and walk <laughs> and it was the last bus. <laughs> 
my, my, my next question, um, which has perhaps partly been answered there, um, um, you mentioned a bit about some of the, the views of Manx and of Irish being used. Mm. Um, how do you feel Brian responded to that negativity, perhaps, or criticism of, of Manx being used? To him, it was all about confidence, really. It was mm. having confidence in who you were and where you were from and knowing that trying to work out the pressures of 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 that sort of being english would create and how that could discourage you from thinking that it was a good thing to learn manx your thing about confidence that's abs- absolutely the right thing because i think part of his achievement it's because identity and language and so are so closely tied up together it's very difficult to dissociate them i think one of the tremendous things he did for us was to give us confidence in ourselves as Manx people it's like yeah. when you yes. go to England yeah. not it's, to it's be being ashamed aware of history. because you're yes. speaking with a Manx yeah. accent or something yeah. like yeah. that that's, that's a very silly little example but it's the whole thing all together we should be proud was, of who we are it was seen as quite a working class sort of thing wasn't it years ago he said to talk Manx it was looked yeah. down upon, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think it was elevated it in people's minds with poverty yeah, and yeah. not That's getting on in the world and it? not yeah. being well educated yeah. and so on. And he elevated like, it. Not by it was subversive. But it had a, he, he always said that speaking Manx in, in the 1950s was seen as a sort of act of deviance. And so if you weren't confident, you would therefore discourage people mm. around you from doing it. Mm. And it was all to do with political confidence and having the sort of get up and go well, to, to stick with this. Isn't the case that, I can't remember, when was it that those people were thrown out of the pub in Peel for speaking Manx? And I think mm. that created a big sort of surge in mm. interest in people learning. Right. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> he often talks yeah. about that, yeah. I've had a couple of messages <clears throat> in which I feel I, I should, should read. And Peter Maggs has been in touch, <clears throat> says, I have many happy memories of making the Manx language films with Brian <clears throat> and George Broderick oh, yeah. in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Um, a great man sadly missed. I confess <clears throat> I haven't seen those films, but, but maybe that's one for, for an evening soon. Um, and an, another, another message um, from Rusty's dad says, fascinated with your conversation. Has the book got a title? And... Um, When's the yes. title? Is yeah, the title is Gilgus Physic Skilmave, um, Gilk, uh, Max Gaelic and Physics: The Story of My Life, and it's, uh, it's his autobiography. Um, launched on Sunday and will be available across the island, um, imminently, I would imagine, if it isn't already. It's, it's available yeah. already from Culture yeah. Vanin. Can I? Would it be possible for me just to hijack the conversation for half a minute? Um, because <laughs> I didn't get a chance yesterday and I've, it's something I've really been wanting to say is that I'm so pleased the book is out. It's an absolute relief and it's been mm. a lot of work. But yes. lots of people thanked me. But I, <laughs> Well, yeah. thank you. But <laughs> I wanted to say thank you because there are so many other people who helped Brian and who helped me and without whom this book just it either it wouldn't have existed at all or it certainly wouldn't exist in the form that it's in now and um just very quickly um first of all I think we have to say thank you to Culture Van and especially mm-hmm. to Aid who was quick off the off the ball getting mm. getting this organized and Brisha Madrill and James O'Meara um 
there are lots of others um it's thanks to culture van and also that we've got we've got a lovely cover which was done by um gary myers on yeah, behalf really of culture good. van yeah. in um and also the people who very kindly gave me pictures um there were more than i was actually able to put in but it's thanks to culture van and also that i was able to include these pictures but i'd just like to say very quickly a thank you to george broderick joan kane linda cayley vic Cooley, bridget stowell sean stowell and culture van in themselves for pictures um also of course particularly see karen carrie sean caroline and bridget and but particularly now to Kerry and Sean because they've come here and mm-hmm. it's been wonderful talking yeah, to been, you about yeah. him um, and just very quickly otherwise there were there are so many people who took part in the project but very quickly I'd like to say Carol Rush, <laughs> uh, my sister-in-law Dolan's mum my brother John <laughs> they did an awful lot of things that helped but I, I won't go into it now David Stowell who mm. was he did lots and lots of things mm. and um, I'd like to say a little thank you also to the gang at the at the pub in Douglas the bridge on Wednesday <laughs> nights as well <laughs> mm. we would like to thank you when Wendy because mm, it, it, it really wouldn't have happened without without you you know it's fantastic the amount of work mm. that you've put in has been incredible well, thank you. It's been a, such. It was a huge privilege to know you, Dad. Mm. Um, and as I say, I never did anything through altruism. It was, oh, I no. just enjoyed oh. yeah. his company. I love being with mm. him, and it's been so lovely that I got to meet you at you through. Mm. We met in intensive care, didn't exactly. we? We did <laughs> <laughs> over a heart monitor. Yes, yes. yeah. yeah. There you go. The, the start to lots of good stories. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> um, has anybody written an autobiography? in Manx before, I wonder? Uh, I can't answer that directly, but one thing I would like to say is that one of the very important things about this book, quite apart from the fact that it's Brian's life story, which Mm. makes it special to begin with, uh, it's also a very important piece of social history. I think Aid hinted at that, but Brian starts off talking about his family and ancestors uh, round about 1900 and then gets into a bit more detail just before Mm. the First World War. Mm. And it carries on right until 2018. Um, uh, He finished writing just after Julia died and just before and the just before he died, in in, in mm. fact. So it takes in over 100 years of social history because he's talking about the way his his family lived and mm. how, how, they, how, how their lives were. So it's very important from the point of view of social history. And then finally, it's going to be a very important part, I believe, it's going to be a very important part of our, of our, of our Manx canon because we don't really have many things that are actually written in Manx about Manx subjects and Manx people. We are increasingly getting translations published, which is wonderful. I'm certainly not putting that down in any way, but having something written in Manx about a Manx subject is is really, really important for us. And I suppose the the continuing revival of Manx, uh, the, the usage of the language, will rely upon works like this original mm. works you would feel definitely yes i think the two things go hand in hand the more th- more things are it and it, again it comes ties up with national identity isn't it so much more interesting for anybody where, whatever country they're in you like to read things about even if you don't know the people you might know the places or mm. you know mm. some of the issues being 
being discussed it's 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 bound mm. to be interesting to people and and because it's so well written that we've tried to to give an idea of some of the stories in here but we can't tell it the way he does he just had this wonderful yes, way with yeah. words whether it was in manx mm. or english and mm-hmm. do you think he was a natural storyteller oh yeah Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. He could tell a good story, couldn't he? He liked a good story. Yeah. yeah. There, there was nothing like a good story. Yeah. And, of course, a I glass of too. red wine as well, you know. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Is that just his... to assist the storytelling? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was lots yeah. of there was music and storytelling, and, yeah, it was aided. I mean, not over-the-top over no. boozing. but no, it, it, but it was all... There was... The odd occasion where his false teeth would end up <laughs> where, where they shouldn't be, you know. I, I think he found one set of false teeth in, in the garden and he didn't know how it got there, but, you know, I think oh, we no, can he guess. told me a slightly different... But he t- well, he, he t- well, he that told the me that he... They went that down through a pipe, didn't they? <laughs> I, I, I think he was actually being sick. Yes, I tried. <laughs> After... Particularly After a particularly good session. And, and uh, then there was a burst pipe and then they appeared in the garden. So. Yeah. It's false, you know, He'd be so pleased False teeth, because at, 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 at our cousin oh. David's wedding, he, he sneezed and they flew out and they bounced on the floor. He caught them <laughs> and put them back in his mouth. <laughs> he did it when I was little. Mum tells a story of when he was, he was being sick and the same thing. And, and I was saying, do it again, do it again. Yes, I've like, got one. <laughs> a lot of people actually, when he died, he said, I had a great time with your dad. And, yeah. You know, we, we had a good drink together. And sometimes it all went a bit far. The vomit was featured quite, quite prominently. There are quite Although, a few Am I allowed to like say that, that on radio? <laughs> Yes, yeah. <laughs> he liked a good laugh. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Well, it sounds like a very good reason to learn Manx, just to be able to read Absolutely. some of these stories, yeah. actually, I would say. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll, it'll trigger us to learn how to read it. Yeah. And I should certainly say, I maybe I shouldn't, but um, mm. I would heartily recommend learning Manx. Go along and see Adrian Kane. Mm. <laughs> I don't regret mm. it. It was one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. I, I would say I'm a bit biased on that front, but uh, anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed to our guests, uh, to Sean, to Kerry and to Wendy. Thank Thanks you. for listening. Take care. Thank you.